Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. My name is Jessica. It's an honor to be with you here today. I want to take a minute and welcome our Frederick campus. Why don't you help, help me welcome them, Gaithersburg? We love you, Frederick. We're glad to have you this morning as well. Um, it is an honor, like I said, to be here with you. I want to thank my dad for allowing me the opportunity to share with you this weekend. And I believe that God is going to minister to our hearts and speak some truth to us today. And so thank you for um, bearing with me here as I share. Um, we have started a series. Last week, we started a series called Hallowed Be Your Name. And we're, we're exploring and studying the names of God. And last week, um, Hester Dale shared with us Jehovah. Come on, I can hear better. You can say it better than that. Jehovah Jireh. And so we're studying these names of God. We're exploring what they mean because God's name reveals to us something about his character, something about his nature, something about what he wants to do in our lives. And so we studied last week Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for us. And Pastor Dale shared with us the best provision that God ever gave us was to provide a way for us to be reconciled back into relationship with him. Aren't you grateful for the provision of a way to be reconciled back to God? Because left to ourselves, we are hopeless. But he provided that way for us, and I'm so grateful for that. Today, we're going to be looking at another name of God, and Bennett mentioned it a few minutes ago. Isn't that amazing testimony from Bennett? But we're going to be talking about Jehovah Rapha. Last week, Pastor Dale taught us that the word Jehovah, another word that you could use there is Yahweh, simply means I am. Or you can also say I am the one who is or I am that I am. Rapha means to heal, to cure, or to make whole. And the first time that God revealed himself to his people as Jehovah Rapha is found in the book of Exodus chapter 15. And you may be familiar with this story. The Israelites had been enslaved. They were um, enslaved to Egypt, to the Egyptians, and they were workhorses there just working night and day, and they were in slavery. And God rose up a man named Moses to go before Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, to say, let my people go. And through a series of events, finally, um, Pharaoh said, okay, go ahead, Moses, you guys go. I'm letting you go. And excuse me, they come across the Red Sea. And this is a miraculous moment where God opens the Red Sea. He splits it down the middle and the Israelites walk across on dry ground. And when they get to the other side, they arrive to a place called Mara. And by this point, you can imagine after taking this long journey, running away from the Egyptians, these people would be thirsty, right? And so they arrive in this place called Mara, and it says that as they go to take a drink from the water in Mara, that they discover that the water was bitter. And one of the things that the Israelites did really well was they were really good complainers, okay? So they started to then complain to Moses about the water. Of course, Moses went before God, what do I do about this? God showed him a piece of wood. He said, take that piece of wood, throw it into the water. And as he did that, it tells us in the Bible that the water became fit to drink. And it's in this moment, Exodus 15, verse 26, 
that the Lord says, for I am the Lord, which means Jehovah, for I am the Lord, who heals you, Rapha. So God says to his people, Jehovah Rapha, I am your healer. And he's saying to these people, look, I am able to take the bitter places of your life, the broken places of your life, I'm able to make them sweet, and I'm able to make them whole. And so he reveals himself to his people as Jehovah Rapha. So today we're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to talk about four things that we need to understand about who Jehovah Rapha is, and within that, the promises that his name offers to each of us. Point number one is this. God's name is healer. You'll notice that I emphasize that two little letter word is. God's name is healer. Why? Because it's important for us to understand that when God declares, I am that I am, he's making a very definitive statement. He's making a state of being statement. It's not just a now statement. It's a forevermore statement. This is who I am. When God identifies himself this way, he's giving us great insight into his character, into his nature, and into his will for our lives. When Jesus was on earth, he was the embodiment of God the Father. It actually tells us in uh, the first ver- or the, yeah, the third verse of Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus, the Son of God, was the exact expression of the Heavenly Father. And so we can look, thankfully, we have the gospel accounts to give us a picture of, of Jesus' life on earth, which also gives us a picture of our Heavenly Father. And as Jesus was on earth, his three years of earthly ministry, one of his greatest reputations was healer. Crowds would hear he was coming, and they would show up where he was going to be. They would follow him everywhere he went because they knew he was a healer. And he would. He would heal the people from the blind to the lame to the sick to the oppressed to the demon-possessed to raising the dead. And this is who Jesus was. Let's look in Luke chapter 4, verses 40 uh, 40 through 41. It says this. When the sun went down, everyone who had anyone sick with some ailment or other brought them to him. That's brought them to Jesus. And one by one, he placed his hand on them and healed them. And I love this part. It says, demons left in droves, screaming, son of God, you're the son of God. Why do I like that part? Well, I like that part because even the demons recognized the sovereignty that comes from a healer. They saw his Rapha-ing and they declared Jehovah because they saw he was able to heal, they knew that is the God who is. Matthew chapter 14, 35 through 36 says this, when the people recognized Jesus, again, the people, they, they knew his name, they, they heard of his reputation, they recognized him. The news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Healer is who he is. 
He does not just do healings. No, he is healer. He is health. He is wholeness. He is completeness. The closer we draw to Jesus, just like these people that I just read about in Matthew, they just wanted to get closer to him. If I could just touch the fringe of his garment, I would be made whole. They wanted to be close to him because they know he is healer. And just the same for us, the closer we draw to Jesus, the closer we draw to health, the closer we draw to wholeness, the closer we draw to being made whole because he is healer. Number two, God is able to heal you. He is able to heal you. God heals us in multiple ways. The three ways that he heals us is number one, our dead and diseased spirit. Before we come into relationship with Jesus, we all have a dead spirit. Our spirit is enslaved to darkness, to sin, to the enemy. We are lost. We're wandering and wondering. We're disconnected from our creator, from our heavenly father. Our spirit is dead and diseased. And the best thing that God can do for you is heal your spirit. He can bring resurrection to your spirit. The second thing he heals is our damaged soul. We all go through life and we collect pain, don't we? This person said this to me. This person rejected me. My parents did this. My siblings did this. My boss did this. Whatever it is, we accumulate pain. We accumulate wounds along the way. And our soul, our mind, our emotions, our heart becomes damaged. And I want to declare to you today that God is able to heal your damaged soul. He is in the business of mending your damaged soul. The third thing that God heals is our diseased bodies. He is a healer of sickness and disease. You read it throughout the gospel accounts. He is constantly drawn to the sick, and the sick are drawn to him, and he brings healing to diseased bodies. I want to read a few scriptures that I hope and pray are going to bring a little bit of of some faith inside of us for the fact that God is able to heal us. Psalm 103, 2 through 4 says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all our sins, that's healing our spirit, and heals all your diseases, that's healing our bodies, who redeems your life from the pit, that's healing your soul. He's pulling you out of that dark place that your soul has been sitting in. He can pull you out of that pit and crowns you with love and compassion. 1 Peter 2.24 says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Psalm 147 verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. 
we all have some brokenheartedness inside of us. We all have some woundedness inside of us. Let me tell you that he is able to heal your broken heart and he is able to bandage your wounds. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. No one wants you as a friend or cares what happens to you. Anyone ever feel like that? Man, I don't really know if the world would really care if I wasn't here. I don't really bring much value. Nobody really cares about me. I've been rejected so many times. No one wants you as a friend or cares what happens to you. But I, the Lord, will heal your injuries and you will get well. Jeremiah 33 verse 6 says this. Yet I will certainly bring health and healing and will indeed heal them. I will let them experience the abundance of true peace. Our world lacks true peace, don't we? And I love that statement. He's not just wanting to bring us peace. He's wanting to, us, to bring us abundance of true peace. Psalm 41, verse 3. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. Matthew eight sixteen through 17. And he healed all the sick. And this fulfilled the word of the Lord through Isaiah, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. God's name is healer, and he is able to heal you. Number three, God wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. Jesus desires for you to be healed. He is not withholding his healing from you. He's not keeping it from you, hiding it from you. He desires for you to be healed. Matthew 8, verses 1 through 3. It says, large crowds followed Jesus. Remember, Jesus had this reputation, and everywhere he went, they knew he was coming, and they would show up where he was because they wanted to be healed because he was healer. So they followed him as he came down the mountainside. And suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him. Now, We have to understand people that were leprous in in that time, they were outcasts. They were rejected by society. They were not allowed to be anywhere near mankind. They had to isolate themselves and hide away because they were unclean. And so the fact that this man with that with this leprous man approached Jesus took a bit of boldness for him to come. So he approached him and knelt before him and knelt before Jesus, and he said, Lord. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. So really what he's saying is, you know, I've heard the stories, Jesus. I know you can. I actually have seen some of it with my own eyes. I know you're able. My question is, is do you want to? Will you do it for me? I can easily believe you can. I'm just not sure if you will. And Jesus reached out and touched him. What a beautiful few words there because lepers would not be touched. They would be avoided. And Jesus knew this man not only has been sick with leprosy, but he has been void of human interaction, human touch. And his first action was to reach out and touch him. And he said to him, I am willing, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Jesus told this man, yes, 
I am willing. I want to. It is my desire. It is my wish to heal you. And it's easy for us, again, to believe God can heal us. Oh, he's able. He's powerful. We read the stories in the Bible. Maybe we've heard a story from a friend or a family member of something seemingly miraculous that God has done for them. So we don't typically question whether he has the power. Where we struggle is believing that he wants to heal me. Is it his will, his desire to heal me? Oh, I can believe it for that person. But will he, does he want to heal me? And we tend to disqualify ourselves from his healing because we know ourselves. We know we haven't been the best Christian. We know we don't have enough faith. We know that someone else deserves it more than we do. And we disqualify ourselves from his healing. There's a story in Luke chapter 22, and it's a short story of an interaction that that Jesus had with a man when he healed him. And I want us to take a minute and pause and reflect on this story because typically when we read this chapter, we're focusing on a different aspect of the story. And so we tend to miss this, this powerful moment. And this chapter, earlier on in the chapter in Luke 22... Jesus had gone into the the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was carrying the weight, literally carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he was agonizing in prayer over what he knew he was about to face. He knew he was about to face the worst moment of his life. People were going to reject him, beat him, spit on him, rip him apart, and ultimately crucify him, hang him on the cross, and he was going to die, not just physically, but he was going to carry the weight of our sin on his shoulders. And so this is where we pick up the story. He had just been in the garden. The the Bible tells us he was in such agony that he was actually sweating blood, Okay, and this is the moment we pick up the the story in verse 47. Suddenly a mob came, and one of the 12, which means one of his disciples named Judas, was leading them. He came near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? So picture this with me for a minute. Let's put ourselves in Jesus's shoes. Again, he was just hours in agony and prayer to the point of sweating blood. Anybody ever hear sweat blood? No, okay. He was sweating blood. He was overwhelmed with the weight of what he was about to endure. And now suddenly a mob approaches and he knew they were coming. That's why he was in agony. But the person leading the mob was his friend. Okay, so let's not miss the moment Jesus is in. Yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man while he was on earth. So this would have been an excruciating moment for him. In verse 49, it says, when those around him, so his disciples, the people that were on team Jesus, right? They saw what was going to happen and they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? I mean, these guys are riled up. They are like, don't make me take my tunic off, right? They are ready to go fight to the death for the man that they are serving, that they are following, and they want to defend him. 
verse 50. Then one of them, one of the disciples, struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus responded. I love that word responded because the fact that Jesus even had the character to respond and not react in this moment says everything you need to know about our Savior. And he said, no more of this. And touching his ear, he healed him. Don't miss that. We spend so much time disqualifying ourselves. God will not heal me. He doesn't want to heal me. I've done too much. I don't have enough faith for it. You don't know who I am. But look at the man he just healed. Who was this man? Well, he was the high priest servant. What was the high priest doing there? They were a part of the conspiracy to arrest Jesus, to beat him, to crucify him, to nail him to a cross. This is the man we're talking about that Jesus healed. This was not someone that he just loved, you know, loved to be around Jesus and was, you know, making Jesus feel good all the time and, you know, had all this faith. He didn't even ask him to heal him. He didn't have the faith for it. But Jesus chose, he chose to heal him. He wanted to, even for a man that was conspiring against him. So we can disqualify ourselves from God's healing. I'm not good enough for it. But based off this story we just read, you qualify for God's healing. He does not withhold his healing from you. Out of spite, out of punishment, out of dissatisfaction with you, he is willing And desires to heal you. He is not just able. He wants to heal you. His name is healer. He is able. And he wants to heal you. And number four. Experiencing healing. Is often a process. That requires partnership. So once we come to an understanding, okay, your name is Jehovah Rapha, you are healer, we resolve inside of our hearts, okay, I believe you're able, and I'm starting to to believe that you want to heal me. We have to ask ourselves a question, actually, that Jesus asked a man in John chapter 5. Let me read this story for us. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on those porches. One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? You know, when it comes to change and human nature, the reality is, is that the pain of staying the same has to become greater than the pain of what changing requires. Do you understand what I'm saying? The pain of change, there's some, there's some pain that comes with changing. When you change any behavior or you you try and change or improve yourself, there is some uncomfortability that comes with that. And so we have to determine, is the pain of staying the same 
greater than the pain that I'm going to go through to see something different in my life. And until the pain of staying the same becomes greater, we will stay the same. That's human nature. And this was all this man knew. He had been sick for 38 years. He had adjusted his life as being a sick man. This is who he was. Kind of become a part of his identity. And Jesus knew this, right? This is why he asked the question. It tells us that. He says he knew he had been ill for a long time. And so he asked him. He knew that he had adjusted to this mentality of a sick person. He had come to accept and even excuse his condition And his pain had become a security blanket for him. And sometimes our pain becomes a security blanket for us. Because it's something we can hide behind. And this may seem like really an easy question to answer. Do you want to get well? Well, yeah, of course I want to get well. But Jesus knew something that this man wasn't really aware of. Because he wants to know, are you willing to do what's required to get well? Do you want to get well? Are you willing to do what it takes to get well? Do you understand that if you get well, there's going to be some things in your life that are different? That if you're healthy, things won't be the same? And are you ready for that? Are you ready for the fact that when you're healthy, you can't claim victimhood anymore? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for the fact that if you're healed, you can't hide behind that pain anymore? You can't use your pain as an excuse anymore. You can't cover yourself with the security blanket of sickness or emotional unhealth. If you're healthy, that goes away. Do you want to be well? You know, there's times when Jesus, he is able, and sometimes he does instantaneously heal us. Some of you have testimonies of that, and those are amazing, miraculous, incredible stories, and we love when God does that for us. And that's typically what we seek and want, because we want to just be done with the problem, right? Life would be easier if we could just move on. But more often than not, God is actually inviting us on a journey of healing. Healing is often a process which requires our partnership with God. God is all about partnerships, and he wants to partner with us toward healing. So how do we do that? How do we partner with God? Four things. Number one, come to him with faith that he can and wants to heal you. Matthew 9, 27 through 30. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. If Jesus came to you and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. What would be done to you? If he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you, what would be done to you? Sometimes we have more faith for the negative results in our lives than we do 
for restoration and healing. We believe more in what fear tells us the outcome will be than what God's word tells us. We all have faith. Faith is easy, y'all. It's easy. Because all faith is is believing something you haven't yet seen. You guys have faith. We all have faith. The question is, which direction is your faith pointing you? Is your faith pointing you towards Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh? Is it pointing you towards the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or imagine in your life? Is that where your faith is directed or is your faith directed towards fear, towards the worst, towards what I just can't even imagine happening? Which way is your faith pointing you? We have got to point our faith in the direction of who God says that he is. Because he is real. His word is true. And he is able. So we've got to come to him with faith that he can and wants to heal us. The second thing, ask him to heal you. Ask him. James 5, 15 says, believing prayer will heal you. And Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you have sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. You know, sometimes we don't ask because we're afraid we're going to be disappointed. We don't want to get our hopes up. Have you ever said that? I don't know if I want to pray about that because I don't want to get my hopes up. Well, then we are misplacing our hope. If our hope is in our healing We've got it in the wrong place. Our hope has to be in Jesus alone. Psalm 33, it says this, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our protector and our help. We are glad because of him. We are not glad because all my circumstances worked out the way I wanted them to. We're not glad because I got healed exactly the moment that I wanted to. We're not glad because all my relationships are good and happy and we're all just whoop-de-doo. No, we are glad because of him. We trust in his holy name. And what is his name? Jehovah Rapha. May your constant love be with us, Lord, as we put our hope in you. So we come to him with faith, believing he can, he's able, and he wants to heal me. And then we ask him, Lord, would you heal me? The third thing of how we partner with God in our healing is we participate in the process. We got to get the help we need. You got to make that doctor appointment. Go see the doctor. You got to start the exercise regimen You've got to find the accountability. You've got to stop the bad habits. Take the class. Join the group. Confess the sin. Apply for the job. Show up in your relationships. Show up in your workplace. You know, a lot of times we're crying out and pleading, God, heal my relationships. God, heal my finances. God, heal my family. God, would you heal my internal struggles and pain? But are we doing what we need to do on our part to walk towards our healing? Do what you know to do. Do the things that become apparent to you and stop making excuses. Jeremiah 3.22. My wayward children, says the Lord, 
come back to me and I will heal your wayward hearts. The beauty of this is that what he's saying is, hey, come back to me, do what you can do. And then I promise that I will do what you can't do. Come back to me and I will heal your wayward heart. Take the step that you can take. Do what you can do and trust and know that he will do what you cannot do. And the fourth thing of how we partner with God in our healing is we trust him with the process and the outcome. We don't have power over the outcome or the timing of that outcome. But what we can know is that his name is Healer. He is able to heal you, and he wants to heal you. And we need to remember this, pro- this promise found in Psalm 25, verse 3. It says, no one who trusts you. Other translations will say, no one who hopes in you, no one who waits for you, will ever be disgraced. We will never lose by placing our hope in God. We will never get the short end of the deal by placing our trust or waiting on the Lord. We got to take our eyes off the outcome when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, making sure that everything's aligned the way it needs to be aligned. We've got to take our eyes off of that. We've got to look at what it tells us in Hebrews 12. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto who? Jesus, who birthed faith in us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His name is Healer. He is able to heal you. Not only is he able, he wants to heal you. And he's asking you to participate and partner with him in your healing. You know, some of you have been feeling broken. Maybe your brokenness is in your spirit. You feel separated from God. You feel burdened by sin. Your spirit feels dark. You feel enslaved maybe to sin. Maybe you haven't come into relationship with Jesus and experienced life and healing in your spirit. He wants to heal your spirit today. Some of you feel broken in your soul. It's your mind that is tormented. You can't sleep at night. Your emotions, your heart is just broken in pieces. You feel wounded by life. And you don't know how to bring it all back together. He wants to heal you. And some of you are burdened by physical sickness and ailment, disease, pain in your body. Maybe it's a lingering pain that's been going on for years, just like this man. He was sick for 38 years. Maybe your pain and where you need to be touched by the Lord today is in your body. Wherever that is, I want you to know today that he is your healer. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 20. It's about a king named Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had been, he got sick and he cried out to the Lord for healing. 
And I love verse five because God's response to Hezekiah, I believe is his response to each one of us here today. This is what he said. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. I will heal you. Some of you have been crying out to the Lord, Father, would you heal me? Would you heal me? Would you heal me? And you not just have been saying it with your your mouth, but you have been crying so many tears that you don't know that you could cry any more tears because the weight is heavy. The pain is too much. I want to tell you today, he has heard your prayers. They have not fallen on deaf ears. If you are wondering, is he listening to me? Yes. He says to you, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. Do you know the Bible tells us that he collects our tears in jars? I have a lot of jars in heaven of tears. But do you know what that tells me is he values my tears. He values my pain. He understands your tears. He has seen them. He knows them. And what he says to you is, I will heal you. He is Jehovah Rapha. I am that I am the God who heals you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your name, Jehovah Rapha. That you are the God who is able who wants to heal us. God, thank you that we don't have to wonder if you care. We can know that you do. Father, I pray for each person here today, whether they may be sick in their spirit, broken in their spirit. Father, if they feel distant from you, I pray that they would be reunited with you. God, if there's people here that need healing in any way that you would minister in this moment, Father, we thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. 
Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.